Welcome to the Immigrant Finance Podcast, a show dedicated to everything money, online business, and immigration, because immigrant families deserve to build generational wealth too. I'm your host, Adina, social entrepreneur, immigration attorney, and financial educator and coach for immigrant families. I created the Immigrant Finance Platform with my husband, Mauricio, who immigrated to the U.S. eight years ago after we struggled through the whole process of trying to figure out finances as an immigrant family alone. We wanted to share what we learned about building wealth with others along the way and created the Immigrant Finance School Group Coaching Program where we teach immigrants and their families like you how to manage their money, get started investing, and build online businesses in just weeks, all with group accountability and support. Our clients have been able to get started investing and develop lifelong plans to build generational wealth regardless of their immigration status, actually launched an online business they've been dreaming of starting for years, bring in enough income to leave a job with a shitty boss, and book up their calendar for the rest of the month just after announcing their new coaching business. I'm coming to you with a new show several times a week with stories about online business lessons, money and mindset insights, and guest interviews to help you become financially empowered. Each episode will switch between personal finance and online business topics. Now let's get to this week's episode. Hi everyone, this is Adina from Immigrant Finance. I'm here today with Rashid from Progressive Migrants. Welcome Rashid, how are you? Hello Adina, I'm doing well. Um, How are you doing? Good, thank you so much for being here and sharing your knowledge and and expertise with us about mental wellness for the immigrant community. This is such an important topic. Yes, yes it is. Uh, And I am delighted to be here. Uh, I'm so excited at this opportunity to be able to uh, just amplify the immigrant voice. And um, I was so happy when we connected uh, on Instagram and I was just, you know, I love seeing all these other pages that are there for the empowerment of um, immigrants and um, you know, Absolutely. so it was it was something I was excited about when this opportunity came up. Wonderful. And thanks for making the time. Um, so I know you are a licensed mental health professional. Do you want to tell everyone listening a little bit about your background and then we can get into talking about your connection to immigration? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um my name is Rashid, guys. Um, just as you guys have heard Adina say, uh, I'm a licensed mental health professional uh, or a licensed mental health counselor. Um, I'm specifically focused in marriage and family issues, uh, and I'm based out in the Midwest. Um, and um, I'm also a Nigerian-American. Um, I was born in Nigeria, uh, and However, my family immigrated into the U.S. when I was about 11 years old, and I've pretty much lived in the U.S. ever since. So Wonderful. Thank you. And how? tell us more about um, that experience immigrating here at, at such a young age and how that's informed your view on mental health and particularly for the immigrant community. Yeah, so... Um, my immigration process um, is, uh, I'm sure it, it's kind of like many others. Um, um, so my family immigrated when I was uh, about 11 years old. Uh, my family had won the American visa lo- uh, lottery. Uh, I'm oh, not man. sure if this is something that a lot of people are aware of, but um, there is a visa 
uh, lottery that uh, is played and uh, it gives millions of family uh, an, an opportunity to come into the U.S. Uh, and become citizens uh, at some point later on. Uh, and my family mm-hmm. had won um, this uh, lottery and wow, that's, uh, that's how we ended up um, being able to come to the U.S. Uh, it was such a blessing. Um, uh, I think my family was going through such a rough time at that at that period. Um, and I think it could not mm-hmm. have came at a better time. Um, so um, we were happy at that opportunity. We uh, immigrated into the United States and we were excited. We uh, moved to uh, Indiana and we pretty much have not been able to make it out of Indiana ever since. Um, so <laughs> that's just a little bit about my uh, my background. How did you all pick Indiana? Um, <laughs> that's an interesting story. Um, but, um, I have an <laughs> uncle that lives in New York now, but um, he had previously lived in Indiana for um, quite some time. Mm-hmm. And so he had a lot of connections in Indiana. Uh, he knew a lot of people here. And when we first moved into the uh, to the U.S., we actually moved to New York and we were staying with them uh, as uh, a transitional phase. And, you know, mm-hmm. he just at some point he was just like, um, you know, I think Indiana might be a better fit for you guys. My parents were a little older when we immigrated. Um, uh, my dad was mm-hmm. in his 50s and my mom was in her 40s. And so um, that was pretty late. Um, so my uncle was just like, you know, I think for you guys having four kids with you, it's going to be New York is going to be a little rough. It's going to eat you guys up. Um, so <laughs> he went ahead and was like, you know, I could make some calls in Indiana and I could see if I can, you know, get you guys set up with housing and everything. And he did. And um, the rest was pretty much history. So, Yeah. Wow. So how was it being a, a kid from Nigeria landing in Indiana? And what was that like for you? <laughs> oh, man. Um, that was such an interesting experience because, oh, man, it was so much culture culture shock. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing my first snow. Um, I remember... Um, you know, my, my first uh, Christmas experience um, and the the holidays around here, like the home decoration, that was something that just, it just blew me out of the water. Like I'd never seen, you know, people decorate their house so much. And like, you know, they went, people went all loud and um, yeah, there was, there was a lot of things that was, that came as a culture shock. Um, the language, um, growing up in Nigeria, I was always like formally educated in English because English is the national language in Nigeria. So whenever you were in the education mm-hmm. system, uh, you would be educated in English. But Nigeria was colonized by the mm-hmm. uh, by Great Britain. And so a lot of our vocabulary were um, of Great Britain uh, origin. And so mm-hmm. when we immigrated, although I was speaking English and I understood English, um, <laughs> it was still such a culture shock learning that the English that I knew wasn't the English that they spoke yeah. here. It was like, it was different. Um, 
the the dialect and the accent was different and it wasn't just different in the midwest yeah. but it was also different from the east coast uh which is where we had first moved mm-hmm. to so it really was a culture shock like um it, pretty much all rounds um so yeah i can only imagine yeah and what um led you to go into this profession um so i've always been an empath um just right from Mm -hmm. earlier on um i've always been someone that that really cares for people um and i have a you know a, a natural ability to be able to connect with people um, but I, can tell. I never really knew what I wanted to do with that. Uh, not until I got to mm-hmm. high school and I took a course in psychology and, um, I remember just having moments of like, it was like a gradual moments of like clarity. I remember just thinking like all of the stuff I was learning in my psychology class was just so cool to me and so interesting. I thought the the teachers were the coolest, like the psychology teachers were the nicest mm-hmm. and the most like well-rounded individuals. Um, so um, I remember watching Dr. Phil one day and I remember um, he was mm-hmm. helping this family out. And I remember looking at the TV and turning to my parents and I said, I could do that. I feel like I could do a better job than that. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, <so> <laughs> I remember like, you know, it was television. And so there there were some entertainment things that, uh, uh, some entertainment components of it where, you know, he just, he would want it he would want to make sure it was entertaining. And I just remember feeling like, man, that is so insensitive. Like I could be way more, you know, effective than that. Um so um, I think the idea was pretty much birthed in me since then. Um, I think I was a, either a sophomore or a junior in high school at that point. And um, I just remember just going the rest of my educational career, um, being being focused on that one thing and, and going after it. And, you know, I don't know, seven, you ten knew. years later, we were meant to do it. we are. <laughs> the, the rest was history after that. But um I think a lot of what also drove me to it um, on the other end was I, I I was such a introverted person, but as you would probably know, like a lot of introverts, we do a lot of taking in information. And so we would process a lot of what we would see. Um, and I just remember seeing a lot of things um, like a lot of dysfunction within the Nigerians um, that I would see in our community. Um, there, in particular, like there were there were a lot of issues between the different generations, between the parents and the children. Um, I would see mm-hmm. a lot of uh, my peers get sent back to their uh, their native country, uh, Nigeria or Senegal or Guinea. Um, and it was just such a, it was a thing. It was like this known thing that like, you know, oh, when you raise your kids in the U.S., you know, you know, you got to be stern and you got to be this. And I just remember that just never sat well with me because that wasn't the nature of my relationship mm-hmm. with my parents. Um, and I just knew that, you know, it didn't have to be like that. Um, and so I was intrigued by like what it meant to have a healthy family. Um, and so mm-hmm. um, as I grew older, obviously, I, I my interest kind of grew in that and I knew there had to be a way of like being able to have 
a really solid relationship with your children, um, uh, you know, as immigrant parents and as an immigrant child. Um, so, and I didn't feel like there were anybody, I didn't feel, I, I wasn't seeing that being done. I wasn't seeing people um, addressing those issues, issues of immigration and, and what the process of trying to integrate yourself, uh, what it does to you and, and how it can pose um, challenges to your mental health, to your emotional well-being. Uh, but it oh, yes. was happening. I was seeing it. Um, but nobody seemed to be talking about it. Yeah. And, you know, people didn't, they just, they, they weren't paying attention to it uh, or it wasn't something that was um, amplified. So, yeah. Wow. It sounds like you were observing, as you're saying, as an introvert, being able to take in all this information, um, you're observing the impacts of the immigration system and process playing out on individual families and like no one was talking about it you saw a need yes so that's just incredible i mean there's absolutely a need there um i can say even personally i'm starting to experience a little bit um with my husband who's an immigrant we have uh our first child who's 18 months and just trying to figure out like thank you like the cultural stuff of you know what's done in Ecuador, what was, what's done here and, yep. and how to navigate that. Um, Absolutely. But I can, I can start to see sort of what you're, what you're saying, how that will affect her as well. Yes. And yes. and she will probably adapt more quickly than he with some of the things. Um, and this is obviously a very important topic in our community. I was telling you before we started recording that mental health is something that comes up all the time with the community we work with um, and particularly with our focus with finances, there's so much of that goes into it. That's psychology. I always say like 99% of finance is psychology. Yes. 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 <laughs> how did, yes, how did so that right. play out? Did you notice um, with what you were observing growing up money playing a role in all of this? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so yeah. um, just looking at the family dynamics, um, one of the things that you'll tend to notice is even like the the parental role, like the mother and the father, like first you start to see a shift in their in, in the in their relationship where the father may have been the primary breadwinner in their native country, wherever uh, they immigrated from. And, you know, in, in my in my personal experience, like, you know, Nigeria is is very much a male dominated uh, society and culture. And mm-hmm. so even though women played critical roles in being able to, you know, maintain the household, a lot of times the males were kind of the breadwinners. They were sort of the the main ones that were able to finance the family. And so what I noticed was in the transition into the uh into the US or into this other culture, um there was a shift in that because uh, my mom and dad were now working jobs where they practically made the same amount of money. Um, And so there wasn't Mm -hmm. any longer this, you know, person kind of being the top person. And then this person sort of being a little bit below them. It was, they were now equals. And so, you know, you work 10 hour shift. I work 10 hour shift. We're both tired. Who's going to cook? Um, you know, right, or, right. Um, you know, you work five hours a day and, you know, I work 15 hours a day. So I'm exhausted. Um, we've got kids, mm-hmm. we've got to feed them. And so um, there was a shift in that family dynamic and like 
um, the finance um, also obviously would it, it changed. Like you know, um, money was something that was always you know, it was always saved. It was all like it was such. Like it was such an important thing that like, you know, it gave power to the male in the previous uh, community that we grew mm-hmm. up. But then, you know, immigrating here, it was like now the power is equal, but we still combine, you know, we have enough to get us by. Um, and we out of that enough, we still need to send back to to help out with people that are still back home, like, you know, distance yeah. relatives. Um, and so. Money was also it was it was always made such an important thing. And, you know, the one thing that I remember learning about finance growing up was save it. Try to save as much of it as you can. Um, and there wasn't enough of invest in it, um, which was something mm-hmm. that, you know, unfortunately, it took me becoming an adult to sort of come to that awakening that, you know, wealth is not necessarily built by, by savings, um, and working yep. nine to five. Um, you know, you sort of have to, you, you have to take the next step above that and, and making sure, uh, that you really, um, invest your money kind of going above and beyond just that savings. Um, you want to have a savings. Yeah. However, when we're talking about, you know, generational wealth or, you know, wealth that would really last, uh, a, a lifetime, um, you 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 really do have to start um you know allowing your money to also work for you and you not just working and chasing and chasing Sorry. and chasing uh and just storing it up and storing it up because you know it's just you can't build wealth like that um you know you can only build enough for you to to kind of sustain you uh and there will not be enough to to kind of go the next right. generation and yeah so yeah Absolutely. I'm I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on the role psychology plays in what you just described. Yeah, because um, I, we talk a lot about scarcity mindset, how that plays out um, mm. for everyone with money, you know, yes. and always yes. the fear of not having enough. But particularly with the immigrant community, it plays out in a different way. Yes. Um, you know, if you especially I'm just imagining, I, I don't know about your parents experience with it, but imagining um, all the pressure they might have had on them to make it here and to be prepared for any emergencies, um, you know, given that they were away from their home country and um, any degrees of uncertainty. So, yeah, what, what was your experience with that and what, how it leads to people wanting to, to just save a lot? Yeah, um, I think um with with the whole savings thing, I think it was just it, it fits right into what you had mentioned earlier the the scarcity uh, mindset, um, you know, which is all about you know you uh, you you have experienced not having enough. Um, you're familiar with that. You're you know right. what that's like, and so your your whole mindset kind of wraps around being able to store enough, um, and so mm-hmm. um, your mind. It, it it doesn't really kind of it doesn't develop those sort of okay well I need to do more than just save for enough um, and so when you when people come from 
you know, various backgrounds where they're used to not having as much. Uh, a lot of times there's a lot of things that play in their mind about they have a lot of these locked in mindsets like they're a lot of it is actually unconscious. Uh, but yeah. A lot of it is also very conscious decisions and habits uh, that they have where um, it's it's very geared around just make sure that you don't go back to to that. And so you got to play mm-hmm. safe. You got to do what you can, which is, is what was kind of fueling the whole uh, save, save, save mindset. Um, but yeah. again, like we said, once you kind of you go through your learning experience and you transition from scarcity to abundance and you start realizing um, that it's it's so much more than just kind of building enough for you to retire on or barely be able to retire on. But now you're actually trying to mm-hmm. do more for the generation uh, to come after you. Then, you know, that's when you yeah. sort of make that transition. Uh, but initially, you know, a lot of immigrants, um, you know, they, they come from that limited and, and scarcity mindset of, you know, I haven't had enough. I'm in the land of opportunity. So, you know, my first thing to do is to just save and just protect as much as I can. Don't take any unnecessary risk. Um, you know, you want to make sure that um, you have enough to get you by if you if things, you know, doesn't work out. So, um, it doesn't leave a lot of room for um, taking risk. It doesn't leave a lot of room for investing. Um, and so, yeah, I think yeah. that's how those kind of things kind of play on our psychology. And like I said, a lot of it uh, is actually unconscious. Um, we we tend to we tend mm-hmm. to just have these innate biases against ourselves. Um, you know, in a previous conversation I was having with a friend, we were talking about just how like, because it it really takes a lot of self-awareness. Like you really have to be super aware of your own uh, thoughts and your own actions and behaviors to really be able to pinpoint uh, where you're having these sort of scarcity uh, mindset. And for for a lot of people, um, for a lot of immigrants, they're not aware of certain things like, Okay, when we talk about wealth, uh, we often associate wealth with, okay, this is a popular figure. Um, this is a, you know, a um, a really well-known or a really wealthy person. Uh, but what we don't realize is we're at, we, we create this disconnect between ourselves and wealth. Our relationship mm-hmm. with wealth we don't see it as the same relationship that someone like Jay-Z or someone like any popular actor or, or actresses or, you know, artists or just any entertainer, like, or anybody that is affluential and they have a lot of, a lot of wealth. Uh, we don't tend to realize that we too can have that same relationship with wealth and with, with, you know, uh, money that they do. And um, we, we have this disconnect, like, well, I'm not really, it's, it's sort of a cousin of imposter syndrome. It's like, yeah, well, with my background, with, with my limits, like with me not speaking English very well, or with me not speaking this language very well, me not understanding the landscape of this new culture uh, yeah. with me. So we tend to like have all these limiting things that we, we box ourselves up in the box of, well, I can't have that kind of relationship with money. I can never, 
see that type of money or I can never touch uh, or imagine those having that type of relationship with with money and, and wealth. And so um, a lot of those sort of little, little beliefs are actually very subconscious. Like we're not actually conscious of them. Um, oh, yeah. They're just I kind of there. Agree. And then when somebody asks you, well, why why do you not think you can have a million dollars? Or why do you not think you can, why are you not ascribing for that? That's when you kind of like, well, I don't have an answer. I just, um, I guess I I don't think I can have that. Like, because it's unconscious. Like we're not aware mm-hmm. um, of the fact that we have these little beliefs that are kind of limiting us and, and it's not allowing us to have um, the relationship with wealth that we deserve to have, that we, we too, just like anybody else deserve to have. And so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, you, you know, there's research saying that um, people's relationship with money is pretty much set in their subconscious by the age of seven. I believe it. <laughs> I, bet, I bet you could from your background with working with families and children, because it's like, I just want to add to what you're saying that it's not your fault, right? If it's not your fault, most of this is coming from what you've observed subconsciously growing up in society, what the media has been telling you, what you've been seeing patterns and habits in your family and community. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it just takes a lot of unworking. And I always like to share quickly with people um, my perspective as I'm not an immigrant, I'm a couple of generations down. I'm the great grandchild of Jewish refugees. And I, the more I do this work, the more I realize like how honest, excuse my language, effed, like fucked up my subconscious <laughs> is with yeah. scarcity mindset and fears about money that have been passed down from my family's immigration experience and the fear of not having enough and trying to survive and like, you know, I always mention, you know, I remember growing up with my dad freaking out if we left the lights on, even though we could definitely afford the utility bill. It wasn't an issue. So um, I say that to encourage people to do the hard work you're describing mm-hmm. of working on what's going on in the subconscious or at least starting to become aware of it. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, it gets passed down to the later generations. It doesn't absolutely. go away. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think that's that's one of the 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 most important work that we have to do. Um, you know, as our generation and every other generation, like I think one of the hardest things to do is to be able to look inwards and and really um, you know, be able to find areas where you can improve the lives of the other generation. And a lot of those areas lies in our you know, subconscious, um, actions and, and thoughts. And, and so, um, yeah, it, it really can be a major point of like change in, in, in our lives when we start to realize these things that if we don't be, if we don't bring them to our consciousness and our awareness, uh, we're likely going to pass it down without even knowing it. Um, yep. and so, um, yeah. I always encourage everyone to, take a moment to like, you know, be very mindful of, you know, their, their, their habits, their choices, um, their thoughts, their beliefs. Um, and 
you know, when, when they take the time to do that, some people, they may need to go to therapy to do that. Some people are perfectly able to sort of do that on their own um, if they're really introspective type of individual. Um, but, you know, if, if, if we struggle with that uh, and we find that, you know, we're not really so, we're not really making the kind of progress that we want to see, but we know there's room for more. Um, people can go to therapy and they can they don't have to have some major life crisis to go to therapy, um, you know. And that's another thing right. that's part of my work and what I'm trying to push is, you know, therapy doesn't have to be something that comes at a point where everything is kind of crumbling around you and you kind of find yourself in these crises, um, you know, you don't have to get to the point of crippling anxiety um, before seeking help. And so um, there's also life coaching, uh, which some people offer. Um, so um, and these sort of little things can just sort of help you to really be the best version of yourself um, so that you can actually pass down not only uh, wealth, but healthy habits and healthy mindset and, and all of those things, those are actually generational value or generational wealth as well uh, that can be passed down. And so, um, I love that. yeah, so it's, it's something. You hit on something really important I want to highlight <laughs> that like working on the mindset is a form of creating wealth because it's really hard to actually take the steps needed to take to build wealth if you don't work on the mindset. Like it's 99% mindset. So even if you in your lifetime can't become a millionaire or something, if you can move forward your family in your healing, right? And your wellness, um, that's huge progress. It is. You're going to start the next generation off with such a nice, you know, clean slate like they're not carrying anything that you subconsciously pass down to them um you know you you're you're really doing them such a huge favor and you're giving them such a huge advantage um to, to really work on yourself and your mental wellness um so i think it's it's something that we really need to start amplifying the fact that you know passing down healthy relationship and and healthy mindset is actually a way of actually building abundance for the next generation. Um, so. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm so grateful for you doing this work and helping people with that. Um, I'm curious what, for these terms, mental wellness, uh, financial mindset, what do these terms mean for you in the context of, for when it comes to immigrants? Okay. Um, so, so mental health and um, what was the other one? Financial mindset? Uh, mental wellness and financial mindset. Okay. So mental wellness for me, um, it just, it's, it's being, being healthy, being at your best, being your best self, uh, being able to realize um, your, your greatest and, and best self, the best version of yourself. Um, obviously it, it, it takes a lot of work to really get to being our best self. And honestly, um, as long as we're continuing to make efforts to try to better ourselves, I think we're always at any given point going to be at our best self. Um, you know, um, but for me, mental wellness is being able to live, uh, a, a life that, you know, 
you have peace, um, you have um, freedom, um, you have um, man, uh, you have healing because uh, I think there's a lot of healing that that needs to take place. Um, but you're just in a mentally, physically, and emotionally freeing and liberating place. I think that's what mental wellness means for me. Um, so that's beautiful. Um, Thank you for articulating that. Oh, you're welcome. Um, that's a really good question, by the way, because I don't, I don't think I, I ordinarily think about that every day. Um, but the second word or the second term was um, financial mindset. Um, I think for me, financial mindset, it's, it's definitely something that I had to grow in in the past few years. Um, I used to, my financial mindset used to be very poor, uh, in terms of, it wasn't something that I was conscious of. I was very unconscious of a lot of my habits with money. Um, but mm-hmm. now fast forward, um, I've been able to make such tremendous, uh, growth in, in understanding and fixing my relationship with wealth and with wellness when it comes to finances. Um, finance is not something to be avoided. Uh, as a matter of fact, as we all know, whatever you avoid is actually, is going to be that thing that keeps growing and growing and growing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. um, Financial mindset just also means um, having, you know, the freedom, um, you know, financially to be able to do what you want, to have the the mental or, or the peace of mind that you need uh, with money and not necessarily yeah. allowing money to sort of drive your everyday decision. You don't have to wake up and feel like you have to you have to do this or you have to do that. Um you know, it, it's about being able to have the freedom to say, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is what feels good to me today. Or this is what um, my my higher purpose is calling me to do today. And that's what I'm going to choose to do instead of go do that. Because, you know, I'm not worried about not being able to pay my bills in, in, in two years, even not even just in a month. But, you know, because you're 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 really that free and you realize that money is, is something, it's a tool. Um, it's not anything that, you know, you have to hang your life on. Like it's, it's, it really is just a tool and you can choose to use it to your advantage. Uh, you can use it to, yeah, to your advantage to change your life for the better and the lives of other people around you. And, you know, yeah, that's, that's pretty Absolutely. much it. Um, and understanding that so well there's said. an abundance I of it. Agree. There's an abundance of wealth and, and money. Money is, is, is a never ending thing. And so, you know, you have. It's energy. I, yeah, it's endless. And so it's a, it's an endless resource. And so, you know, I can, uh, I can strive to get as much of it as I want and the universe will hand it to me. The universe will will assist me in getting it. Um, it doesn't have to be this thing where, you know, I'm constantly chasing and chasing and chasing it and I can't catch up. Uh, but if I focus on my, mm-hmm. you know, financial mindset and I grow my financial mindset, I can learn the skills that I need to not have to chase it. Um, 
because it's really not meant to be chased. Uh, whatever you chase will sort of run from you, uh, is, is um, the saying that I, I've heard uh, so many wow. people say. Uh, whatever you're chasing is going to run from you. So money is not meant to be chased. Um, you're yeah. meant to have a love and relationship with money. Um, and so it's extremely important that we understand that. And I think through money mindset and financial mindset is how we can get there. So. That was very powerful. I have to say, I've been studying this stuff for a while now, and I really appreciate how you described it. Um, yeah, it's it's energy and it's just a symbol of value and nothing else. And we have all these negative stories about money that are just stories, but they're not actually what money is, right? Um, they can be rewritten. One thing you touched on that I think will be really important for our audience to hear um, is like this, we have this story that money has to be hard to get that, you know, the saying money doesn't grow on trees, the streets aren't paved in gold. Like, <laughs> I think it's a very common narrative for immigrants that I've seen in, in my family down the generations. And with my husband, who's a recent immigrant, all the people we've worked with, that if there's this idea that it has to be hard, and you have to really, um, you have to really struggle and work all the time in order to make money. So what are your thoughts on that story? Um, I, I feel like I, I, I'm not necessarily sure I'm in agreement with thinking that it has to be hard. Um, I don't think it's it's meant to, the relationship is meant to be that way. I, again, I think we're, right. we're meant to have a loving relationship with money. Um, I think it, for for a lot of things in life, even when we're working in our passion, we still have to work hard. Um, but I don't think yeah. we have to work hard in, in the sense of, you know, I have to sacrifice my values. Um, I have to sacrifice mm-hmm. um, my mental health. I have to sacrifice my mental peace, my emotional peace. Um, I don't think working hard in that sense. Um, I don't think that's really what it's about. I think it's about being able to work hard in the sense that I know what I'm, what I'm, what I'm pursuing is something of value and it's not just monetary value. The value is so much more than the, 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 you know, the paper. Right. Um, it's something that gives me a sense of purpose and what I'm doing or what I'm, how I'm moving. Um, it's actually just yielding, money as a result it's just yielding financial rewards you know if you're if you're money savvy if you know how to invest your money properly and you learn the tools and skills to be able to do so um you find that it really just does become this sort of game and you're no longer you know sort of in this scared state where you're just like chasing and chasing and chasing, you learn that, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. I have the skills to be able to sort of put my money into something. I have to have the skills to be able to pick out the right things, look at my risk, manage my risk. And so it becomes this thing where like you actually get gratified in the process of learning to invest and and learning to, um, to really become self-sustained in your business. You're running your business and you're seeing how it's impacting the community and you're working hard while you're doing all of this. This isn't easy. However, yeah what you're getting from it is so much more valuable than just the money. It's, it's beyond the money at that point. Right. Um, and so 
That's how your I kind of feel about that. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry. Go ahead. No. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that's what I kind of take from that. I think anything worth having, you know, we do have to work hard for it. Uh, our dreams, our goals, our aspirations, you know, um, we do have to work hard for things, but I don't think working hard in the sense of, you know, compromising our values, compromising our, our inner peace, mm-hmm. our integrity. Um, not like that. I don't yeah. think money is, I don't think we're meant to have that type of relationship with money. Um, but what I think a lot of people refer to yeah. is, you know, doing just that, like doing things that, you know, they don't feel in alignment with working jobs that they don't feel not in alignment with. And they're just sort of like, well, money doesn't go on trees. So I have to just keep doing these things that don't necessarily serve my higher purpose or serve my, my, my inner um, mm-hmm. peace. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I, I really focus on teaching people like how to, how to really get in alignment with your soul purpose and to follow that and pursue that. And, and when you do that, I, I believe everyone is meant to have some impact on the world and others and help others. It's just a matter of whether we get the opportunities in life to reach that point. Right. But everyone has a purpose. And when you can do that, money follows because you're doing what you're meant to do and you're providing value and money is just a reflection of value and that's it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That's it. I I like that money. It really is just a reflection of value. And when you're doing something of value, um, it's going to come. And and that's what we talk about with, you know, building that relationship with money where you're not chasing it because it's going to keep running from you. But when you learn to, to sort of build a loving um, relationship with it, then, you know, it, it'll be nice yeah. to you. <laughs> well, I, so, I'm, I'm so appreciative of this perspective you have on this from the mental wellness angle, yeah. because we talk about these things a lot, but um, not from that. And that's not my background at least. Yeah. So it's really nice to hear kind of similar messages coming from you. Um and to have it through that lens, I, I really appreciate it. Um, is there one thing you would say if you had to give one piece of advice for immigrants and family members of immigrants when it comes to these topics we've been talking about, whether it's the mental wellness, financial mindset, abundance, like what would be the one message you would want to share today? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> no question. <laughs> that's going to be a difficult one. Um so I think the 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 biggest thing that I'm going to I think it's the biggest thing that I think we need to remember is the process of becoming um when you immigrate into a new culture uh into a new society um it's it's going to be challenging um the p- process of becoming overall um, is, is challenging. Um, but you have to remember to just be kind to yourself. Um, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't make yourself, um, don't devalue yourself because sometimes as immigrants, when we are going through this process of immigrating, um, whatever new society we find ourselves in, sometimes it may not see our value. Um, and so 
you have to constantly remind yourself of your own value. And so there's a lot of self-affirmation that you're going to need to have. Um, And when you don't lose your value and you don't ever forget, you know, that you are someone of importance and someone of value, um, I think you will always uh, find find yourself and you'll always uh, be able to sort of uh, align yourself with with your purpose. Um, so um, I think it's extremely important that no matter where we go as immigrants, um, you know, we should always remember, um, you know, our value and our worth. Uh, we are somebody. Uh, we are not just a nobody. Um, some of us, we really do go through difficult challenges um, when we transition into new new cultures and new societies. And, you know, the society wants to tell us our worth and we have to remember, nah, that's not me. Mm-mm. Like, you know, um, I know my worth. And so um, I think when, when we, when we do that, uh, we're always going to find ourselves in alignment with what we're, what we're meant to be, and what we're meant to do. Thank you so much, Rashid, for sharing that advice. That's very generous of you to share that. And it was such an important message for people to hear, especially when the immigration system tells you the opposite, yeah. right? And and the laws and narratives in this country can be so dehumanizing. So I think it's it's really empowering to hear this message. Yeah. I know people are going to really appreciate it. Um, and I have to say you're much better than Dr. Phil. No offense to Dr. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I totally oh get it. Yeah, I'm I'm completely on the same page with that. Uh, so thank you. Thank you um, and please share where can folks find you, follow you, and provide support to what you're doing. Um, yeah, absolutely. So um, if you are interested in connecting with me, you can connect with me uh, primarily through Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is um, at progressive migrants um, at progressive migrants. Uh, if you want to connect with me, um, I do have a YouTube account as well. I haven't started posting some contents on there, but I do intend on doing so. Or uh, you can follow uh, Niger Boy uh, one zero on Instagram. And that is my personal handle. Um, and I also do some other stuff on there as well. Um, if you guys are interested and want to connect with me, even either for individual sessions or uh, just some coaching advice or whatever, um, uh, you guys can reach me on uh, both of those platforms. So, Are you able to provide um, mental health counseling support in any state? Um, so yes, um, right now there is a sort of a loophole with the whole pandemic. Um, so I heard that. I'm licensed in the state of Indiana. However, uh, with the virtual, um, therapy telehealth, um, telehealth, um, I'm actually on better help. Uh, I'm one of the therapists on there. I have a profile on there. If you would like to book a session with me, you can actually book a session with me on better help. Um, And I think BetterHelp actually has other associate sites that also has my profile. So um, if you would just like to get connected with me, just go on BetterHelp and type in my name, Rashid. It's spelled R-A-S-H-E-E-D. And then my last name, Ojerinde, which is O-J-E-R-I-N-D-E. 
Um, and you can reach me on BetterHelp, like I said, or you can connect with me via Instagram at Progressive Migrant or at NigerBoy10. So that's it. Perfect. Everybody's got to check it out. Um, thank you so much. This was amazing. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. And we'll have to stay in touch. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for um, I'm very happy to be here again. Like I love having the opportunity to be able to help amplify the immigrant voice, our experience matter. And man, we just, we are incredible people. We're super resilient and we're doing absolutely. incredible things. And I just, I just feel like it's high time that, you know, we start having our voice, voices heard in, in all the various, um, you know, endeavors that we all kind of go into and, you know, so many, you know, small business owners, so many online, you know, business starters that are starting up now. Um, and so there's a lot of us and we're doing incredible things and I, I want the world to kind of um, pay attention to us and, and know that we're, we're here. So, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Immigrant Finance Show. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already and leave us a review so we can reach more people to help. Also, did you know we started a free Facebook group for immigrant families who want to build generational wealth? We're doing free monthly trainings covering everything from investing to online business. Plus, you will be in there with a network of other inspiring members of our community. Make sure to join us at facebook.com slash groups slash immigrant finance. And we'll see you there.